Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJ's Cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJ's Cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey. But we want to reach this out to a wider audience. And doing all those things really help us out. So once again, if you enjoy the PJ's Cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. Welcome everyone to the PJ's cast. I'm your host Pierce, alongside of my uh, usual co-hosts Jimmy and Dylan, but we have a special guest making a second appearance on the show, uh, Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, how's it been going, Ben? It's been busy. Very busy. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. That's definitely a word to describe this uh, Blackhawks offseason. Um, obviously, just off, all the off-ice stuff, the fact that they got, went out and got uh, Seth Jones, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Tyler Johnson, and signed Jake McCabe in free agency. Yeah, I definitely think uh, busy is the best word to describe it. So, um, yeah, just kind of going back into that, uh, it, 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 like, yeah, it's been a busy off-season, obviously, the off-ice stuff. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you've been uh, – one of the few journalists that's been on this stuff. It's obviously tough news, and I'm just wondering how you've been kind of handling that because obviously you tweet that out and it gets so much attention. It gets like a thousand retweets. It gets a thousand quote tweets, and I'm just been wondering how, how have you been handling that? Yeah, it's been a lot. I, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience covering stuff like this um, or even, you know, court cases, lawsuits in, in general, so... Yeah, the the situation of where I, you know, get the document or get the new filing and have to try to read through this, like, 36-page document with a lot of uh, dense legalese, most of which doesn't really matter, uh, and try to find the relevant stuff and try to do it, you know, quickly um, to hopefully get the story first. Uh, it's definitely a new experience for me, but, yeah, I think it's certainly really important to, to, to cover um very concerning allegations and kind of casting a shadow over everything the team is doing otherwise 
Um, so, yeah, I'm happy that um, my coverage has, has gotten a pretty good amount of attention to this point and that other reporters' coverage has as well. Yeah. Um, so we're going to we're gonna get – we have obviously a lot of questions to ask. We're going to hop right into it, and I believe, uh, Schmidt, you got sure. the first question here. So, um, I mean, we just got to talk about the elephant in the room, I guess. We, we've we all seen the coverage about the questions of Seth Jones being a Blackhawk. I think it started around Memorial Day. Um, there's been clear advocates of people who want him and people who don't want him. And then we finally traded for him. The package was massive. You gave up Bo, you, The team gives up Boquist, two firsts and a second. They signed to the massive extension. I just want to hear your thoughts on it because for us, we – Initial shock really set in for all of us, I think. But then after we had a couple of days, we're just we're kind of in the boat where we're just hoping he can bounce back because, like, if you look at his advanced analytics, they're a little all over the place. So I just want to hear your thoughts on the trade. Yeah, I mean, I was I feel like pretty outspoken um, in the weeks leading up to it that uh, I thought Dougie Hamilton would be a better choice. Um, I, I, and the way it went down, I still certainly stand by that. I think that. I mean, Hamilton signed for pretty much the same contract in New Jersey, um, and they didn't have to give up anything to get him. I mean, the Hawks would have had to outbid them, so maybe they would have had to give up a little bit or pay him a little bit more, but they still wouldn't have had to give up, you know, two two first-round picks and their best young defenseman. So, um, and I think Hamilton's a much better player. Um, so yeah, I certainly think that that would have been a better way to go. Um, it's hard to say it so simply because obviously it was a very complex situation, but just the, the Hawks focus on Jones, uh, was a little bit confusing to me, especially since it didn't seem like there were actually that many other teams really, uh, vying for him. So I don't know what exactly like the, the reason behind giving up so much was, but, um, yeah, I think certainly at this point, um, we can say what we want about the trade and about the contract, but Seth Jones is still a very good player and uh, has a lot of talent, has all-star potential when he's playing at his highest level. So um, I think he certainly does make the Hawks better now and um, in the future, um, uh, maybe not at the end of that contract, but the next few years at least. And um, yeah, the hope is that he can just bounce back from what was a, a down year for him and end up being the number one defenseman they wanted. Um, even if he's not as good as Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, we all clearly saw that Dougie Hamilton had just, he's been fantastic the last three years, so he just seems so obvious. And obviously you had the aging connections with Pat Brisson, with Seth Jones and Taves and Kane and Caleb Jones and whatnot, and that plays a part to a way. So, I mean, the fact that he's here now, now we have to start thinking of ways to basically, it's basically this whole year, in my opinion, like, yes, we're trying to make the playoffs, obviously, because we don't have a first round pick, but it is get Seth Jones back to his old form. And when you watch Seth Jones from a couple years ago, it seems like he really thrives off of a strong transition game and forward to he can get the puck to and they can actually activate in the offensive zone. Um, I'm just, part of me thinks Jeremy Collison's going to have to put him in every situation possible with our best forwards because... I mean, yeah, you want to put him in the tough assignments because that's what you get a number one defenseman for. But I got to think this first year, it's got to be involved around at least getting Jones back to that form offensively, maybe defensively, too, if they can. But I just want, like, do you think um, Jeremy Carlton's going to be more focused on using him in tougher roles or is he going to be more focused on kind of trying to bounce him back in a way? That's where I've been I mean, stuck at, at least. I think he'll probably slot into kind of the Duncan Keith role um, where he's certainly playing all situations and he is 
you know, facing good players on the other side, but it's really more about being an all-around defenseman um, who can contribute offensively, like you said, and defensively, and in the neutral zone and power play and penalty kill and everything. Uh, I think they, I mean, they brought in Jake McCabe, which I think was a good addition uh, to be more of that defensive defenseman shutdown role. Um, so I think him and, and Murphy, who's who's also certainly more defensively inclined, um, can probably help Jones not have to take the toughest matchups. Um, but um, I, I still feel like we're going to see Jones play 25, 26 minutes a night, um, perhaps even more than Keith did this past year, considering he's so much younger and um, is, you know, in the top of his, his peak right now. Um, so I think we're going to see Seth Jones playing a lot, uh, but hopefully we won't see him trying to lock down like the elite stars of the league. And we can expect that uh, maybe a, a McCabe Murphy pairing would be able to handle that. So, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, certainly Colleton can be a little bit unconventional um, in his yeah. deployment. So yeah, we'll see in <laughs> camp how it shakes out. hundred percent. And um, I guess one last part on the Jones trade is um, with Adam Boquist. Do you think management may have just, um, soured on certain parts of his game and that's what made him expendable in this trade or do you think it was just they in order to get this trade done they were going to have to give up someone big and they were just more comfortable with giving up a defenseman than one of docker to bring it at the end of the day yeah i mean we heard carlton at the end of the season say that he thought boquist's conditioning um had a little bit you know left to be desired um but he could he would you know, have a shift and they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to send him right back out there soon afterwards as soon as they wanted to because he was still tired from that shift and that was something they wanted him to work on this summer um, and I feel like we don't frequently hear criticisms of young players like that so um, maybe there's something to read into there um, but I think the biggest product was probably that um, you know they weren't willing to give up to Brinkett or Doc or Reichel uh, it sounded like Reichel was in that same group of untouchables in, in Bowman's mind and then Bokowitz was, was the next most valuable player that Columbus figured they could get their hands on, correctly figured. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like it wasn't that the Hawks were out on Boquist, um, but maybe the concern about his conditioning and also his concussion history might have factored in a little bit to making him not considered part of that untouchable group. Well, yeah, from experience with concussions, I know that that can affect you. That can affect you physically. Like, that's a huge thing with post-concussion syndrome is, is fatigue and exhaustion. And what you were talking about, the conditioning, that could easily be affected by that. That could easily be a byproduct of him having that. So if they have the knowledge to put those two things together, maybe that's why they were – I wonder. I'm just putting the idea out there. That that definitely makes sense. I, I had no idea about the conditioning. That's that's fascinating, actually. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that they could be connected. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that could be a possibility. Hmm. So, so another move that the Hawks made this offseason, this move I personally – like, it seems to have some head-scratchers around the fan base, but I, I think for us, for one on the podcast, love the trade, the Tyler Johnson for Brent Seabrook move. Um, I've been an advocate for a couple months now that the Lightning were going to have to shed salary at some point. I figured the Hawks would be all over that because any of those middle six talents could be a top six guy on the Blackhawks, in my opinion. And Tyler Johnson, to me, just seems like a guy who's kind of fallen to – just better players in the lineup over the last couple of years and Braden Point and Anthony Sorelli. And um, I'm just 
just curious to where you think he's going to fit in the lineup because I could personally see him as maybe like a second uh, top six winger playing with a guy like Taves and Kubelik, or I can easily see him as their third line center going forward, and I'd be a okay with either. I was just, and this is a guy who can clearly play power play and penalty kill. You can he's play so him in any situation. Time. It seems like yeah, yeah he's he's so he's versatile. So, so um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on maybe where Tyler Johnson's going to fit in the lineup going in the next season. Yeah, I think he's certainly going to get a bigger role on the Hawks than he had with the Lightning, regardless of exactly where it ends up being. Um, but to hear Bowman yesterday name Taves, Doc, and Johnson specifically as like their new foundation of centers is high praise for Johnson, um, and and says that they you know indicates they are clearly going to to try to put him in a more central role and and see what he can do there even at age 31 now. Um, and we don't even know for sure if Taves will, will be on the team at the start of the year. So if he's not there, then maybe Johnson even moves up to the second line center. Um, they do have a lot of other centers to try to you know work with. Uh, I think Strom's you know, exclusion from that comment from Bowman raised some eyebrows. But mm-hmm. he later said that you know they just have a lot of centers and some of them are going to end up playing wing. And it wasn't to sort of imply that Strom wasn't part of the team anymore. Um, but, yeah, they'll have a lot of flexibility. But, yeah, I think Johnson is a guy who can contribute a lot. Um, digging into his, some of his numbers the past week, um, he's a guy, even in that lesser role in Tampa, uh, who uh, was pretty efficient, um, pretty good at getting to rebounds, pretty high conversion rate. Um, that He's an opportunistic player. Um, and I think that's a lot of what we saw Pia Suter do well last year. Um, it wasn't like he was driving play that much with Kane and Debrinkit and everyone, but... Uh, he was good at sort of converting on the opportunities they created and um, just working as a complementary player for those stars. And I think that's a lot of what Johnson does well, too. Um, so I, I think we could see him kind of as a pseudo replacement. I mean, you can make the argument that he's he's seven years older and um, now two million dollars more expensive. But I, I get with the Seabrook trade that that was just kind of going to be the product. You're going to have to take someone overpaid back, too. Um, but, yeah, I think Johnson will will play a significant role this year. Hundred percent, and the and the other thing you got to think with the the Seabrook trade thing too is like, as much as people like LTIR cap space, that is way tougher to navigate during the season. And if the Hawks are going to have as many bodies as it looks like they're going to have on the roster, they're going to have to have at least some uh, cap flexibility to move guys up and down without having to, you know, like we've seen what uh, tight caps can do to people around the league. Vegas, I'm pretty sure, started 16 skaters at one point this year because they were so tight against the cap. So. Yeah. I, 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 for one, love this trade. So The interesting thing to me is, I mean, you're right. Um, it, it will make it tough. But it seems like now, I, I mean, with Flurry's $7 million in the books, they're kind of right back in that same situation where they're really tight against it. And, and they're going to be relying on um, Andrew Shaw's LTIR to be compliant. And I, I figure they would probably have to make a trade at this point um, to make it work. And to hear Bowman say yesterday that, that he, he doesn't think they have to make a trade is interesting to me because yeah, it seemed like that was the big reason to move Seabrook. And and then you sort of replace that salary and now you're not going to move someone else. It seems like you're kind of back in the same situation. I mean, you got a, an active, like significant player in Johnson for an inactive player in Seabrook. So that swap is totally logical, but it does seem like they've still now backed themselves back into a corner salary wise but, but we'll see maybe they have some tricks up their sleeve yeah i mean you, we've we've seen deals around the league where i mean gossip bears gotten shipped with the second round pick to arizona there's been got, will butcher got shipped to buffalo with like a fourth i think so if there's a world where maybe they move a Connolly or they move a 
I don't think they're going to move DeHaan from what it sounds like, but if they do, they do. But, <clears throat> like, you know, Connolly, Strom, DeHaan are the first cap hits that come to mind if they need to expend one. Or even just moving Shaw's LTIR, they can do that. So there's there's options. But like you said, from what Bowman said yesterday, it seems like he's fine with being tight against the cap. So it'll be interesting to say the least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you're right. That I think that at this point they're committed to DeHaan because they just don't have any other left-handed options that could fill a top four role. I, I feel like Strom is the guy if they're going to end up moving salary. I mean, he's a three million, which isn't that much, but it would certainly in this situation, how considering how tight they are, would still, I mean, make a huge difference. And they do have a ton of forwards um, that could fill in for him. But yeah, it seems like he's probably going to stick around too. So I think Connolly probably, I mean, maybe, We'll see. He could be buried in the AHL. I think that only gives about one million in relief, though. Um, but from last year when they acquired Connolly, it sounded like they thought that he was a bounce back candidate. He's only a year removed from thirty three points, I think. Um, but but now the way where they are salary wise, it might make more sense to to put him in the AHL. Yeah, I was gonna say that was that was the contract I wanted to ask about before anything. Because I, he's he's just perfectly the odd man out. He had one, he had one goal in his first game with the Hawks, and after that he was uh, he he has chances, but he was cold. Do you think that there's any chance they could move that contract anywhere? Do you think there's any takers? I mean, how much do you think they have to sweeten it? Because they're definitely not trading it for a roster player. We know that, or even a pick. Yeah, I mean, they would certainly have to give a sweetener. I just I'd kind of be surprised if they did that because then, I mean, what was the point of acquiring him at all? I mean, they got him for a sweetener from Florida like four yeah. months ago. Uh, yeah. I get that they wanted Borgstrom, and they think Borgs- Borgstrom can contribute, but then if you have to give up an equivalent sweetener to move him, it just I don't really understand what the whole thought process was there. And Bowman's insisting that the past year, even though it seems like they totally flipped plans in the middle of it, um, was all part of his sort of grand plan to create this flexibility to, you know, make these additions. So I think if he then backtracks on taking on Connolly's hit, it, it just sort of undermines that argument. So I, I feel like sure. at this point they're committed to keeping Connolly on the team. Now, if they bury him for the relief, that's one thing. Um, but I don't think they're going to – it just would be pretty bad optics and then now try to trade him again and have to mm-hmm. give up something to move him. And from everything they said, they, they do think he can bounce back. He's only 29, I think. It's not, I mean, he's younger than Tyler 35. Johnson. He's been 35 for like the last five years, I swear <laughs> to God. He Man, does it's... look a lot older than he is. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and Seriously. speaking of opportunism, uh, his, he has like a 14.1 career shooting percentage. It's, he's oh. in the top like 25, I think, among active players in shooting percentage. So uh, One of my favorite. Think that he can uh, contribute. We'll see about, I mean, they certainly have a logjam, and with his salary, it might make sense to do something, but they think that he, or at least at the end of last season, before they made all these new additions, they seem to think that he could be a contributing kind of fourth-line experience guy. You know what, if he can, if he can bounce back, I feel like that's a huge, like, that's great for them, and maybe he's even movable next offseason, you know, if he has a good enough year. Um, but there was a, there was a quote, I, I think I brought this up last podcast, uh, Pearson Schmitty. I love this, uh, this term and it's, uh, Brett Connolly is a low calorie scorer. You get, he scores and you will get literally nothing else out of him. And that's perfectly fine. That's just, that's all you're going to get. He's going to score goals. He's going to, you know, create some rebounds for goals as well. And that's it. <laughs> that's what he does, but that's fine. That's a low calorie score, I guess. 
So. Um, kind of on like the topic, you brought up the fact that um, back in October, Stan Bowman came out and said, well, that organization said that they're going to be rebuilding and all that stuff, and then the less than a year later, the script <laughs> is completely flipped, and I'm just wondering why why so quick is it because Stan Bowman is uh, is thinking he's going to be out out of a job within the next little bit, and I'm wondering if if that is the case. Like, does that have to do with anything uh, of the off ice stuff, or is it just also just purely on ice stuff where this team hasn't like legitimately made the playoffs since like 2017, barring what happened in 2020, and uh, obviously hasn't won a playoff round since 2015, and the clock is kind of ticking and I'm just wondering like does Stan Bowman think he's going to be out of a job soon and, and if so does that have to do with any of the off ice stuff or is it just on ice stuff it's hard to know you know exactly what prompted them to flip the script like this I mean Bowman insists that this is the plan all along um, I think you could certainly point to maybe that he feels some urgency now um, not only with the off ice stuff because I feel like I mean whatever comes of that's whatever is going to come of that and whatever he does in terms of the team now isn't going to affect it. Um, but I think just in terms of the fact that they haven't made the playoffs in a while, um, he might feel some, some tightening job security from that. Um, he might feel pressure from Kane and Taves with two years left in their contracts that they want to try to contend again. I know he was asked about that yesterday and kind of deflected it, saying that you know every NHL player is competitive and wants to win. Um, so there's a lot of different factors we could point to um, as possibilities for, for why they did this. Um, but it's hard to say exactly which one it is or what combination of, of factors it is. But um, certainly, yeah, Bowman is, uh, you know, I mean, we've seen it throughout his GM tenures that he's not the most patient guy. So <laughs> it could just yeah. be that his instincts took over again, and it wasn't like there was a specific um, thing that prompted it, but he just saw this window saw they had cap flexibility, saw some guys available that he liked and, and went for it because it's kind of been his M.O. for the past you know, decade. Oh, yeah, Wonderful. definitely. You see Henry Okihari get traded at age 20, and then you get see it. You see Adam Bokfus get traded at age 20. So, yeah, definitely the whole, like, patience thing. And you've seen all the history of all these first form, the first-round picks that they've drafted. You go back 10 years and... The like I think it's just Kirby Dak and uh, um, uh, uh, Lucas Reichel are still then obviously Nicholas Bodem, but then you look at Adam Bokfuss, he's traded. Uh, 2017 Henry Yoki Haru he's traded. Then 2014 Nick Schmoltz is traded. 2013 Ryan Hartman's traded. 2012 uh, Table Finance traded. Then 2011 I think uh, Philip Denault's traded. So just a decade of uh, them. Whether that's them going for the cup or just not believing in it, it's uh, certainly interesting and. It kind of raises uh, some questions about Kirby Dock and uh, and Lucas Reichel. I am a bit more confident uh, that they'll be staying, but it's 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 certainly interesting how Stan Bowman is. Uh, regardless of what you think of Stan Bowman, he's certainly not he's certainly a GM that's not afraid to go for it. Like um, I just remember in the Cup years, like when the Blackhawks were in their window, that they weren't afraid to go for it. They gave obviously gave up a first round pick for Antoine Vermette, and then even the next year. They gave up a first in Marco Dano for Andrew Ladd, so that's never really a thing I can fault for Stan Bowman. But at the same time, it's just giving up on a 20-year-old Adam Bokefist. It's <clears> going to be interesting to see how Seth Jones does, and it's it's weird because Adam Bokefist doesn't turn 21, and he's only like a couple months older than I am. So I just I always find that weird. But anyways, um, 
we kind of talked about it, but the depth chart, like kind of where Tyler Johnson was going to fit in. But I wonder what you think, like what the main lineups are going to be, at least uh, the starting night for the Blackhawks, because obviously we know Mark Andre Fleury and Kevin Lincoln are going to be the two goalies. Um, I don't know like what the starting percentage is going to be, whether it's going to be like a 50-30 or 45-35. Either way, I still think that's going to be one of the better uh, goaltending tandems in the, the NHL. But uh, where it gets interesting, it starts with the defense, and then obviously the forwards are so intriguing because uh, just with the, the sheer amount of forwards they have. And I'm just wondering what you think about their, what I guess what would there be their ideal lineup come day one? Well, I mean, I know like some of the athletic guys and everything have been doing these projected lineups, but for me, on the forward side of things, it's it's almost impossible yeah, to say. Yeah. I mean, they have they have fourteen guys right now, um, and then when they resign Nylander and Hagel, it'll be like sixteen, um, and potentially even more if you calculate in some of the AHL guys like Evan Barrett, who who might be getting NHL ready soon, um, who could you know, compete for jobs in camp. And even once you narrow it down to 12, you know, opening day guys, it's hard to figure out exactly what line combinations they'll be in because they do have so many different players who can play both center and wing. I mean, that's something that Colleton really likes is having that flexibility um, in his players um, to sort of mix and match and switch it around a lot. Um, So it's almost impossible to say what the forward lines are going to be. Certainly we'll see... Kane and Debrinkit up there. Um, Taves, if he's coming back. Uh, I mean, Kubelik, the, the same guys coming back from last year will probably still have top six roles, but there are just so many other faces to sort in. It's hard to know, you know, where they're going to be. I think defense makes a little bit more sense. Uh, I mean, we'll probably see, just based on the left-right splits, something like the Han and Seth Jones, um, and then Murphy and McCabe, who are longtime friends, um, as the second pair. Um, and then on the third pair, I think Stillman, they've probably um, penciled him in. I mean, they signed him to a three-year extension. They see him as kind of the Zadora replacement as a, a really physical guy who brings that element. Um, so he seems perfectly suited for the third pair. But then it's a question of, well, is Caleb Jones going to be in or, or is Bo Dan ready to take the next step or, or Ian Mitchell um, or, or will both of those guys see some time in the AHL? Um, I think there's someone I'm forgetting too. Wyatt Kalanick. Wyatt Kalanick. Yeah. Kalanick, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the yeah. best of the three young ones he right is, now. Yeah, in terms of current, you know, ability, I think he probably is the best of the three. He's also mm-hmm. several years older. Uh, since the fact that he was a rookie last year, I think, kind of disguised the fact that he's already 24. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, so I think the third pair, it's going to be Stillman and, and somebody else. It's hard to say right now, but I think the top four is pretty solidified unless they you know, trade to Han, which I don't think is going to happen just because there aren't really any solid left-handed options out there to get to replace him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of on, like, the trade Calvin to and get rid of his cap hit, but then you, like, it really does help out that top four, and I think Calvin DeHaan was kind of like a scapegoat last year alongside Nikita Zadorov because he kind of had an off year last year, especially when you saw what he was in 2019, 2020 before he got injured and even in the bubble, but it's it's so hard to get like rag on a player for having an off year, especially last year, just because of all the circumstances in the NHL. So I think it's it's more I thought about it. Like I think it's smart to give like Calvin DeHaan another chance. And as much as I hate to say it, I feel like 
we've seen it a lot, but he's probably going to get injured. He's probably not going to be a play a full 82 game yeah. season, and that's probably going to give a chance to someone like Caleb Jones to play with his brother. So yeah. I think it does keep it makes a lot more sense uh, keeping someone like Calvin DeHaan and and then going to McCabe and Murphy. I feel like that's probably their best bet to be their best like shutdown pairing since uh, Odia yeah. and Jalmerson, which I really like and. Uh, the, uh, the forward court, it's obviously impossible to decide, but I'm wondering if we're going to, are we going to see a lot of uh, Debrinkit, Doc, and Kane next year? Is that something they want to go forward with? I would say that's probably the most likely first line, uh, at least at the start, at least until we you know see how things sort out. But um, I know last fall, um, before Doc got injured, um, he was preparing to play 20-plus minutes a night, uh, training with Ian Mack, trying to um, build up his stamina and his strength to be able to handle that. Um, so now that he's back at 100% uh, health again, I, I think they are probably going to want to actually implement that plan and, and have him be the first-line center um, and, least, and see how it goes. Um, and certainly the logical line mates would be Debrinkit and Kane. So, yeah, I feel like that is probably the one line that we can be somewhat confident that we're going to see at the start of the year. All right. Uh, Jimmy, you have, a, again, like kind of staying on the forwards, there's uh, Jimmy has a question about like a couple of forwards that could be like kind of fringe guys. Yeah, well, I want to focus more on like specific players. We talked about, you know, that there's this entire depth chart and there's the roster guys. There are... I'd say about a handful of guys that I'm kind of keeping my eyes on. Khrushchev was a guy that I've, I've been very big on him ever since he was drafted. Um, and I thought last year um, he definitely hit like a rookie wall. I'd say about like halfway through the season. He looked so good early on. Um, I feel like the you, whole team did, though. Like just yeah. The schedule got tougher. That's why. Yeah. Do you do you think that there's like do you think that there's a chance he plays in that three C role, or where do you think he would fill in? Because he and Borgstrom are kind of like the same player. My cat really wants to put his two cents, I guess. Um, uh, but um, sorry, try not to mind that. Um, it just keeps getting louder like and louder. Cats. I have cats here. So. Right, give me one second. Yeah, we're second. lucky they're not making noise either. Yeah, same oh, here. I got one cat. She's probably sleeping right now. <laughs> my bathrobe. He's my bathrobe. Like you're already number one way. Um, but uh, no, I was. I'm curious to see or to see what you think about Kershev and Borgstrom because they are I'd say they're pretty similar players. Borgstrom has a much higher ceiling, of course, but do you think that they could slot in on those third line wings, or do you think there's not enough room for both of them to be there? The thing is, and I'm sorry to have to keep doing this with every forward question, but it, it's just I, I feel like we could envision a hundred different possible lineups. There's Dude, so many guys and so much flexibility. Um, that yeah. it's, it's really hard to know. I mean, I th- it's possible that they could be the third line wings. Um, it's possible that neither of them could be there. I mean, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, certainly, Karashev is a little bit more of a known commodity than Borgstrom now, um, having played last year and proven that he can be an NHL guy. Um, somewhat to the surprise of management, uh, I think that he was ready so quickly. Um, but uh, yeah, they'll they'll be asking him to take the next step. Um, this coming season, I think he did tail off a little bit um, in the last month of last season, um, as did a lot of the team, as you guys said. So, um, And then with Forstrom, I mean, that's they got him from Florida because I think Florida kind of sort of soured on him a little bit. Um, I know he has some connections with Chicago, and they're, they've proven that they're pretty good um, at 
turning guys like that, talented Europeans who haven't really clicked in the NHL yet, um, into solid players. Um, so uh, they're going to be trying to do the same thing, and their track history makes it seem like it's a decent bet. Um, but it's really hard to know, I mean, what exactly they're going to get in him. I wouldn't be even surprised if he played October in the AHL just to sort of get back into a groove and get settled in the organization and um, wait for an opportunity when some guys get hurt above him. But if he mm-hmm. comes in and has a really good camp, uh, we could definitely see him in the lineup. And that's kind of the same story with like so many of those different guys. Um, it's, yeah. If they have a good camp, they'll be in the lineup. And if they don't, I mean, they'll be out. There's just a, a ton, a ton of mid-tier forwards on this roster yeah. right now. I could I could throw at you Mackenzie Gamwhistle, Mike Hardman. I could say Evan Barrett. Yeah, like I could, there's a million names. You're right. Um, I just feel like it maybe not Borkstrom as much, but I feel that they're they seem to be very high on Kurashev now. Um, I if I remember right, he was somebody Columbus wanted to get their hands on, and they said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I wrong about that? I, I feel like Friedman I, I brought that up that. a while back. Yeah, so I don't know if I heard they, that, but yeah, I mean, Friedman said it's probably true. But, so, uh, Ben, I'm pretty sure it's like you, Friedge. So I'm not really. <laughs> wow. You, you can be humble, but uh, you know, hey, listen, man, we're all honest people here. Um, uh, no, but I, I, it really amazes me how he went from like you know he was a guy who people weren't even sure would play for a couple of years he plays the first little while he's playing he was uh, he was getting chance after chance those first few games I mean he was fantastic he was all over it um so clearly they see something in him uh like clearly they they value him quite a lot so um it's just kind of it's kind of crazy like I, I I really I mean I guess I'm not sure if you can answer that question I just wonder what they eat like what they really see in him like do they see him as a guy who can be a top six forward or do you have any idea what they really see in Khrushchev? Because clearly there's something there. Um, yeah, I'm just I mean, sure I think... if heard any whispers or rumblings in the uh, organization. I mean, certainly they're high on him. I mean, to yeah. keep him and I feel like he and Suda were kind of similar in that they both um, were surprisingly good last year. Both could play center and wing. Um, and the fact that they were willing to move on from Suter and keep Kurashev, certainly the contract situations were different, but that says something. And then um, I feel like even back to 2019-20 in the AHL, I was really impressed by Kurashev there. Uh, I know he struggled a little bit with staying healthy, uh, but when he was healthy, he was a really dynamic player. Um, and I, I feel like when we look back maybe a few years later from now on their draft picks in this past recent era, I think Kurashev might end up being one of the the oh, biggest steals sure. they've had. Um, no question. No question. I, People forget that this guy scored was like tied for the most goals in the world juniors on Switzerland. Like yeah, he's a skilled guy. Yeah. He can, uh, to me, uh, I think the basketball term of that he can create his own shot um, is yeah. kind of applies. Yeah. Like they have a lot of guys um, who are like we talked about, who are opportunistic, who can sort of score when they have a good opportunity. Um, but moving the puck up the ice is something they, can kind of struggle with outside of the Kane to category. And Kurashev is one of those guys um, who can really do that. Uh, I think his goal in Detroit, I mean, that was probably the best goal I saw in the Hawks game all season. I mean, it's the, he just has a dynamic ability to him that they, they don't have on a lot of the other forward prospects who are good, you know, role players, but can't sort of don't have that like breakdown of defense by themselves ability. So, Consistency is still an issue for Kurashev, and um, it's not like 
he's a perfect player yet. Um, defensively, he needs to improve along with pretty much the entire rest of the team. Um, but, but yeah, that, that dynamic ability is something that sets him apart. I told you, honest people here. I, I got a question about just the forward core in general, because you brought up how, um, I guess, well, this was last year in the AHL, but Kirsch have had a bit of an injury history and whatnot. Do you think maybe a reason why Bowman has so many bodies right now on forward and defense is because if you look at maybe like a season like 19 and, or 2019, 2020, where they got so banged up and they had to call up so many guys in the AHL, do you think he's doing this just so he has options throughout the season? Like maybe these guys don't play a full 82, but we got a bunch of guys who can play like 50 to 60 to 30, like 30 to 60 games a year. And like, you don't have to play every night, but you're just going to have fresh bodies every night. Do you think maybe that's an approach they're taking this year instead yeah, of just I having think- like by 12. <laughs> yeah, I think that's certainly part of it. That's something that Bowman talked pretty openly about, um, especially sort of at the deadline last season, about how it's not like it's, inevitably guys are going to get hurt and you're going to need more than 12. Um, and certainly they've they've really leaned into that because they have well more than 12. Um, I think depth is going to be a big strength of this team. There's really no question. They're probably one of the deeper teams in the league right now. Um, not one of the best teams, but but one of the deepest for sure. Um, and they will have a lot more um, insurance plans if when guys get hurt, because certainly they will get hurt, and they do have some somewhat injury-prone guys um, on the team right now. So, yeah, I'm sure that's part of it, and I think that's something that will work to their advantage um, and even be helpful to get guys like Reichel and Borgstrom and Mitchell and Bodan into the NHL, even if they don't start the year there. Yeah, I'd have to think that... Oh, sorry, Pierce. Oh, sorry. I was just going to bring up the fact that, especially with the Olympics this year, it's going to be a really condensed schedule. So I think having all those extra bodies is going to help out a lot, too, because there's probably going to be a lot more back-to-back games. So maybe, uh, um, like, you scratch... I I don't know if they'll do this, but maybe down the stretch, if they're comfortably in a playoff spot or even out of one... Um, they can maybe scratch like uh, like a Lankin and or Flurry or something if they're looking to go long term with them and maybe give Dealey or Subban a chance or even just scratch someone like Kelvin DeHaan or if he's not already injured and like give another young defenseman. So, and same with the forwards. I think that's a good thing for them to have that many options. I'd be shocked if Subban is still on the team. Uh, that's yeah, true. you got to think he's going to the season. Yeah. I mean. They're going to have to waive him, and he's going to get claimed on waivers because there's kind of a goalie shortage in the league right now, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially with Dallas and Seattle hogging all of them. So um, <laughs> I think I think they'd, it's, it'd be ridiculous not to trade Subban because they could get you know a second or third round pick back for him probably. Maybe not second, but they could get something yeah, back for something. him. Yeah, I mean, Dan Ladar just got a third from uh, Calgary. So the yeah. Boston 24-year-old backup. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they could get something for him, and they're going to almost inevitably lose him on waivers if they don't. Um, and I think Dealey is perfectly capable as your third goalie. So yeah, I feel is like it, he's he's one guy that almost certainly won't won't still be here. Gotcha. I, I'm very curious to see. Um, I haven't really looked at the lineup yet to see who is waiver eligible because I'm gonna. I can imagine come you know September and October they're gonna have to move a couple of these guys down. I would think Bodan and Mitchell are just gonna start playing top pair in the AHL next year. Just 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 because of how many bodies there are on the back end, it would make more sense in my opinion than them sitting in the press box like they were last year. But um, when it comes to forwards, I mean the. Like you said, Borgstrom and Kershaw would be the first ones that would come to mind that would start in the A. But, like, they're, they're not going to, like, unless they can bury a guy like Connolly or 
a guy like Goddard clears waivers, which I wouldn't see them wanting him to clear waivers, or a guy like Neilander clears, clears waivers or something. There's going to be someone who's pretty talented in the AHL. That's what I'm trying to get too. towards. If they if they have as many bodies as they do, they won't be able to carry 15 forwards next year. So I'm just curious to see who who gets that knock and who has to either go on waivers or go to Rockford next year. That's just my biggest uh, question right now with the forwards. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's a big question. I think. We'll probably see Reichel there to start. I think it's a big leap to go right from the German league as a 19-year-old to the NHL. So I think they'll want him to be there. Borgstrom, maybe. Um, Nylander, too. I mean, having he's been forever since he played hockey. So it seems like it would make sense for him to start in the AHL this season, too. And there's a few guys there. It clears up the logjam a little bit. But, yeah, they probably still will have to make a tough waiver decision or two. Yeah, definitely. Because you got to think they wouldn't be too quick to move a guy like Carpenter because Carpenter brings that different style that a lot of these forwards don't bring. So you would think he would be a lock. And then, because especially after losing camp, you would think he just basically takes over the fourth line center role. And then you got, like, they just extended Goddard, like I said. I wouldn't think they'd want to lose him for nothing. That's a guy who has 35 point potential and has shown it. Um, you still got to make room for Hagel because Hagel has earned a spot on the team 100%. Whether that's. Third line, fourth line, second line. I don't know where he's going to play, but he's another guy you can basically put anywhere. I, it's very, it's going to be very interesting next year, to say the least. Like I, like you said, there's a million different forward combinations. <laughs> we kept going, so. It's, and if you have a doubt of Brandon Hagel not making the team, he'll work his way into a role and guarantee himself a role because he's just that kind of player. Oh, I think he already earned a spot in Collins' yeah. system. Oh, like, he'll be on the team. No, yeah. <laughs> No one, no one tries that much every night on this team. Like Hagel, like Hagel's the only guy I can confidently say when he was on the ice, he tried every night. <laughs> his point production ended up kind of catching up to his work ethic too. He finished yeah. fifth in the team in points, mm-hmm. I think, and and Suter was fourth, and he's gone, so he's the fourth highest returning scorer. So yeah, I yeah. think Hagel's absolutely on this team. And Hagel's a guy that you could put, you could put him with. I mean, he showed that he could play with Debrinket and Doc and go to the front of the net and get pucks for him. He has chemistry with Patrick Kane. I mean, I would think Jonathan Tate is just salivating at the idea of putting him and Kubalik together with him. It's basically Hagel is basically like what Jake Drake Kajula was on that line a couple years ago, but just way faster and I think a little, yeah, and a little bit more skilled. Like it's. I, I, there's just so many spots where Hagel could just be very interesting. I, he and Tyler Johnson could be great together just because they both play that, you know, hard-nosed two-way game, and they both are super hard on the puck and whatnot. Versatile just, forwards. First, yeah, exactly, Pierce. Versatile forwards. And you can never have enough of them, especially on a team where they the last couple of years they did look a little one-dimensional at times. So it's nice to see that they're trying to try to fix all sides of the game at forward. Because like you said – None of these guys are that good at uh, defense on forward. So uh, it'd be nice to see a little step up in team defense next year. They're also not being like coached to play defense as much too. It's like it's it's so it's so aggressive on offense that you can't even if you back check, I mean, what are you gonna do? And then I want to ask tr- uh, Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dylan. I was gonna say and then they tried the thing where the uh, what was it two years ago where they tried three back and two up or something yeah. like that. It couldn't score. They, it was, and they, yeah. had, they couldn't do that anymore because they couldn't get any transition. So it's just – it'll be interesting to see. Carlton's got a lot of toys to play with this year. And there's all the eyes – all the all the lights are going to be on him, in my opinion. How is he going to yeah. make all these toys work? That's the last question I'd like to ask. Leads perfectly into it is uh, do you 
it's like I'm asking a therapy question. Do you think Jeremy Carlton is uh is like a, can he change? Is he uh, like can he change? Is that possible? Because it seems like the last two years we've been seeing the same thing uh, with him, where it's it's this uh, man on man system. It's a little running gun. It's a little bit chip and chase. Even though Patrick Kane is on your team, I don't understand that, but I I digress. Um, do you think that um, do you think that he's capable of changing the system? And do you think even if he whether he is or isn't, do you think that might happen this season, especially with his I believe his contract comes up this year. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think, yeah, it was a two-year extension last January. So, I mean, this is certainly a, a huge year for Colleton. I mean, yeah. they've, they've been touting him as, and I think he is very good at developing good players. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did that well last year. They got a lot out of a lot of young players that other teams probably wouldn't have even put in the NHL. Um, but, yeah, now they're totally shifting gears. They're, they're trying to win. They're bringing in. Mark Andre Fleury for maybe the last year of his career, and they're, they've they've done a lot. Like the, there's a very different objective now, and we haven't really seen if uh, Colleton can fulfill that objective. That's not what his expertise is in. Um, so yeah, this is absolutely a, a huge year for Colleton, probably a make or break year for him. I'm actually personally a, a fan of Colleton. I think um, it, he gets uh, you know a bad rap from a lot of fans. I think. Some of the uh, bloggers out there are a little bit ridiculous <laughs> with their criticism. Oh, no, no, no. It's really bad. But... It's really bad. Listen, I'm not the biggest fan of Jeremy Colleton, but all of us here, like, you got to be fair to the guy. And, like, yeah. I think that he we... was 100% rushed by this organization. Yeah, he shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have even he should been still in the, be in the He should still be in the AHL right now. I think. And that that's not even in the, from none of us. That's not an insult from any of us. Like, he, that's where he should be. And, you know. That, I think he'll be a great coach down the line, just not at the moment. But I guess we'll find out. This is a great yeah, yeah. NHL, literally any fucking thing can happen. It does not matter at this point. Like, it does not matter. William Carlson scored 43 goals. Like, literally anything can happen. It does not matter. It's all stupid. It, it's That's the best part about it. It's stupid. <laughs> I love that. Um, that, was, that was me all playoffs when 24 win Montreal was. The fact that I didn't even bring up Montreal in that is, like, it just shows how, like, just ass backwards this league can be just anything is on the table at all times it, it's incredible that's like i feel like these jump. last two years maybe spiked both like like I, you know how you brought up earlier how bowman's been a bit of a reactionary gm over his career i feel like seeing a 24 win team make it to the cup final really just ignited him to say you know what we weren't that far from making it this year I mean, we didn't have any had, of our sets. we also had that's 24 wins like and from what it sounds like yeah. he was he's been high on jones since he's been drafted by nashville so if that no. guy comes available that automatically changes the trajectory of the scene it's just like the best way I could describe Stan Bowman this offseason, if you play Call of Duty Zombies, he's like a mystery box. One time you're going to get something <laughs> bad. Sometime you're going to get something good. Like, you please Ken Holland for Duncan Keith. You don't get pay for Seth Jones. You get Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing. It's all over the place. Dallas, but, like, just, Dallas just went, oh, we want Seth Jones. He would have been like, okay, I'm going to go get Dougie Hamilton for free. Like, you would have, he would have outbid them. And he could, I know, but I, I know, I know. Oh, my God. Listen, I'm rooting for Seth Jones. This is, this is Ben. This is like where our podcast is at. Like us three, is it like we're not those assholes? We're just gonna like who are going to hold a grudge on a player throughout a season because like like the way people are with Colleton. Like oh, you know he, you know he replaced Q and this and this and this. He's not he's not Q in this way. He's not Q in that way. Like it, he's never gonna be that. Now we're we want to give Jones a fair chance at the same time. Like it's just such a 
it's it's fascinating. Nine and a half million, and I want to talk about this too. Nine and a half million, but look at what's happened right after Jones signed. It set the market for defensemen right yeah. away. Cornell Nurse, nine million. Zach Wierenski goes, I'm a little bit better than you, so I'm gonna get a little bit more money. I thought that was fucking hilarious. That's the that's so funny. Oh, that was yeah, the well, staying in Columbus price. That's exactly was so, what that was. Dude, it was so funny. It was the, I'm sorry, but like. I don't know. I thought that was so funny. Um, and then Dougie Hamilton gets nine, which he is worth more than that. So yeah, I don't know. Like this is a weird, weird question, weird idea. Do you think that the Jones contract actually looks better in two years or so because defensemen are signing for more and more now? Like I don't think this contract's going to be the biggest one for a defenseman by any stretch of the board. Really, and like, nurse wants nine million dollars too and they're working on that so oh yeah exactly oh i thought he got that. No, it's not official yet but uh, yeah, yeah. that's the rumor yeah um, but i guess then we saw the Rensky. mccarr it's rfa years so that guy's it's yeah. that's like 11 yeah. million also mccarr is ridiculous yeah, yeah. got underpaid in the it's the rfa years like jesus no that guy's worth like he's worth mcdavid money for defenseman that's just my opinion but yeah, do you think that we see a lot of guys sign for this kind of money in the next year or two? Because I know the cap is going to be a little – I've heard it's going to be stagnant. You know, that's what I've read. It's well, going to be a little more stagnant. look what happened this offseason, man. GMs don't care. They're going to find a way to – No, they the never money. care. No. No, it's always – that's the next guy's problem. Come on. Exactly. See you next show. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on the cap, really. If Because yeah. it, even if it's still flat for the next one or two years, I mean, these are contract. these are like eight-year contracts that are getting signed, so – most of those years are going to be in the future when the cap starts going up again. So it's really going to depend on what the projections are looking forward on how fast the cap is going to rise again. That I think is going to determine how rich these contracts are going to get. Um, and ESPN. yeah, then based on that, we'll see how Jones's stacks up. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, if, if he was a Dougie Hamilton level player or a McCarr level player, that's something that level. I, I, I mean, it's not the worst contract. It's just a matter of whether you think he's that, which Bowman clearly think he thinks he is, and he thinks he is, he understandably. Or if you think he's just another first-pairing guy who you know isn't one of those elite defensemen. So it's just going to depend on how he performs and where the cap goes more than just the fact that he got a pretty, I guess, standard at this point elite defenseman contract for this offseason. Yeah, I mean, he plays. Yeah, like they, uh, they all tell me he plays big minutes against uh, good guys. So no matter how he plays against them, that's all that matters. So, <laughs> Jimmy, what was the thing with the the video where he was stuck on the ice for three minutes, and then the Dynamic <laughs> comments was like, "All I saw was a guy who couldn't get off the ice for three minutes." Something. Like oh, there was like this all video I can like, see. It was like three minutes something shift, and it's just him stuck out there. Guy, because <laughs> I guess the ducks and some and some guy was just like, all I saw is a guy who couldn't get off the ice against subpar players, and I was just like, okay, well that's just mean, but <laughs> just go from there. Yeah, like, like, I mean, I, you know what the good thing is, you can only go up from here. You can only go. Yeah, up from I was here gonna say you got to think, go, kind of going back to Jeremy Colleton a little. Um, he's got to be kind of looking at film right now, trying to figure out which one of his left-handed defensemen is going to fit in best with him right now. You have to think, yeah. I think the first name that came up with all of us, just in terms of, like, if we want to get Seth Jones back to that two-way game, Wyatt Kalanuck's the best puck mover on the team, at least, or the best skater, and you would have just maybe a dynamic offensive defenseman pairing. Because, like, like, like you said, you have McCabe and Murphy. Maybe. Yeah, Wyatt Kalanuck is, like, Yeah, Kalanuck could be. Yeah. 
I mean, sticking on the Colleton thing, and I did want to say this after we got sidetracked earlier, but <laughs> I think Colleton, I mean, in my personal opinion, Colleton's a really smart guy. I think he yeah. absolutely could be a successful NHL coach. Certainly, he's made mistakes the past few years. Um, he's been kind of learning on the fly, um, and it's not entirely his fault that he's had to do that. Um, but I, I think we can't roll out that this year he's going to finally figure out how to put it together, and he's going to have a better team to work with, and He's going to, you know, I think they're more, yeah. they're better constructed than they have been. And I wouldn't be surprised if he puts it together and, and has a really good year of coaching. I think he's fully capable of that. I, he's, he's easy to get along with. I can say that from personal experience. Um, he's really knowledgeable about hockey. Um, he's just been, you know, kind of not, he hasn't had the same experience that other coaches have had. And he's had um, not the best teams to work with, um, especially defensively. Uh, I think Certainly his defensive system isn't the best and has contributed to the problems perhaps, but they've also had um, pretty bad defensive players. <laughs> um, so I think now that the team is objectively much improved, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Colleton do really well with this. I, I think he's, he's perfectly qualified at, at this point, um, even if he maybe wasn't the past few years. He's a dog yeah. first pairing. I don't see what you're complaining about. I really don't. But... <laughs> Yeah, I was I was gonna say it's probably the best defensive core Carlton's had since he's gotten here oh, by no, far. No, no question. 2018-19 it was rough. 19-20 it got a little better, but everyone got hurt, and then last year it was just all over the place. Um, he's definitely made a lot out of nothing. Like and he and he's proven that he knows how to adjust in other asset facets of the game too. Like. Um, I know it didn't really work out last year, but it started towards the end. The penalty kill has been a big thing where Carlton knows when to address the weaknesses and change his personnel on there. And I know the year before that, the penalty kill was extremely good. Power play is another one where he's not, he's willing to <clears throat> maybe not do what everyone thinks will work on the power play, but like, cause I mean, we can all be honest. We didn't think Soderberg and Carpenter were going to work on the power play this year, but it ended up actually giving Kane to bring and Boquist more ice than they've had all year and the power play became dynamic. So like you said, Carlton definitely knows his stuff. And I'm very curious to see what he's going to do with all these different weapons, because I don't think he's ever had it as dynamic of a defenseman as Jones to work with. I don't think he's had as deep of a center core to work with. Now that he's got Johnson and Taves back healthy, there's just going to be a lot of things he's going to have at his uh, disposal this year. And I'm very curious to see how he does. And I wanted to bring up the fact that this is kind of a make it or break a year. And I think this year will be ultimately telling because even though he's been here three seasons, he hasn't coached a full 82 game season yet with this team. Like, yeah. Like, last remember year, that. yeah. Like last year was obviously just 48 games. Last year was the COVID shortened season. And then 2018, 19 was obviously he came, I think in November, I think it was, uh, mm-hmm. what's this? 15 games. I think he coached 67 games. So anyways, Dude, yeah, he hasn't how, had a full 82 game season. Somebody, who's been handed a war's hand right into the end? Exactly. Or anyone in Buffalo. No, anyone in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, anyone in Buffalo. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but, like, yeah. the, the Carlton situation really reminds me of kind of what happened with Jared Bednar in Colorado. Because I feel like he kind of got thrown to the wolves early on when Colorado was really bad a couple years ago. But then they started to build the personnel up and the young talent started coming in. And then when he finally got a, a look with an actual decent roster, Colorado was, actually looked very good in the playoffs. And he's proven that they can adjust and stuff. So I'm curious to see if, Col- like you said, if Colton will take that next step. Because I think he will with the amount of talent. It, it, the key thing is health, obviously, because there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot. There's a couple injury prone guys in the team, a couple question marks still. But if they're healthy, man, this is going to be probably the most interesting Hawks team in the last five years. 
since the Panarin era, at least. Like, oh my goodness. I was going to say, this is probably the most optimistic I've been about the Blackhawks, probably since the 2016-17 season, honestly. Like, I felt the 2018-19 season, yeah, there's a bit of optimism, but you, like, looked at the team. I mean, you look at the forward depth chart from that year, it's ridiculous. 2019-2020 was what? Brandon Manning. We knew what we, we knew it was going to yeah, happen. Chris Cam Ward signing. Chris Kunitz on the Kunitz. first line. I love Kunitz, but man. 2019-2020, I guess there was a bit of optimism, but, like... Injuries. Uh, just yeah, derailed injuries the season. derailed them, but, like, just looking into this year, you look at the goaltending tandem flurry and, we like, I already dropped them. Sorry? <laughs> skip over 2021. Like, that didn't Oh, happen. 2021. Well, no, it... it in the I, think the, I think management would like to skip over that season, too, honestly. It doesn't feel like an NHL season. I'm sorry. Like, it just doesn't. It was completely different, you know? Like, it was different even for the 2013 lockout. Like, they crammed everything into this. I don't want to say it was a write-off of a season, but I felt like a lot of NHL teams, I don't know, I'm not an ins- I'm not an insider, but I felt like a lot of teams were like, if we don't make it out, it's kind of whatever. It's just a four-year yeah. But I feel like I, this year it's a lot more important. Obviously, a full 82 game season, the Olympics are happening. And, yeah, I feel like this is the year. Fans where the are back. Is, yeah, Fans that's, are back true. that's a yeah. huge yeah. part of it, too. Um. I want to get I want to get into that like kind of I guess predictions I guess I suppose and um yeah, we're gambling Ben put your money out let's go huh. <laughs> great <laughs> well let's not let's not get into that anyways uh so Ben so Kane the, the, okay. goal, the goaltending tandem uh Flurry and Lincoln and um I think it's gonna be like a fifty thirty start maybe forty five thirty five start do you think Flurry is still at the level that he was in Vegas. Obviously, there's nowhere, like, as good as this defense is, I don't think it's anywhere close to what Vegas is just because they play such a good defensive system. They're defensive personnel. They're just a better team. But I, I was saying this, like, I think he had a 9.28 save percentage last year. Even if that drops, like, 15 points, say, down to, like, a 9.15 or whatever, that's still really good goaltending for that team. And I think he had a 198 goals against average. Even if that drops down, like, 50 points to like a 250 or something. That's still great contending for the Blackhawks. And I'm just wondering, do you still think Flurry can play at that level despite uh, uh inferior team and an inferior defense, and especially at that age? I pretty much agree with what you said. I, I feel like it's going to be almost impossible for him to re- repeat last season's numbers, especially since the the two prior years um, it seemed like he was kind of declining. I think he was at 905 or something in 1920. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, even if he's still in like that nine fifteen kind of area, that's still pretty good, um, especially for the defense that'll be in front of him. Um, and then I, we saw Lincoln in at nine oh nine. I think he finished yeah. last year, so he improves a little bit, and he's around nine fifteen too. I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be good goaltending. So yeah, I, I feel like it, it will be maybe in that forty five thirty five split, or I think it's gonna be more of a one a one b. Um, just because Flurry is maybe in the last year of his career and they don't want to overwork him. And Lankin is probably still the guy moving forward um, the next several years, so they don't want to relegate him to a total backup role. So I think it could be a somewhat even split. And, yeah, I mean, if they're both in that 9-15 range, that's, that's a success. I feel like with the guys that they acquired this offseason, I feel all of them have chips on their shoulders. Obviously, Marc-Andre Flurry just... I don't know why he's been continually disrespected by the Vegas uh, franchise, but I feel he has such a huge chip on his shoulder now that he's going to a different place. You can, you know, like, okay, you let go of me. Now I'm going to go to Chicago, a lesser team. I'm still going to put up great numbers. I might even go play at the Olympics this year. And 
same thing with someone like Seth Jones where he's he's been saying the fact that okay maybe I'm not at my best right now but I've like I've seen some of the stuff but there's also a kind of a chip on his shoulder to kind of perform as well and I don't know if it's the same as Tyler Johnson but kind of being in a bottom six role but then going to Chicago where he's going to get a more prominent role just to kind of show himself that he still got it and then I think that's what I like the most about the acquisitions at the Blackhawks made this offseason is that these guys the guys that they acquired have something to prove even same with Jake McCabe where he's, he's been in Buffalo his whole career and he hasn't made the playoffs again I just feel like that's a guy where he's like I want to cement myself as a top four defenseman and that's what I like and kind of going back to prediction Seth Jones um, like as much as we've kind of criticized the trade I've been skeptical about it I have no doubt in my mind that Seth Jones is going to bounce back and have a great offensive year I think he's going to get first power play time he's going to I think he's going to help the power play a lot. I think he's going to get like 50 points, honestly. Um, I just wonder what you think. I think the biggest thing about Seth Jones is can he play defense and, and then that system, just all of that. But I wonder what you think about Seth Jones. No, I agree with that too. I've agreed with everything you said so far. I, yeah. think, <laughs> I think he'll be better than last year, almost certainly. That Columbus team was kind of a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> and, so. But I, I don't think he'll be maybe as good as the Hawks think he'll be, or as good as he was back in, like, 2015, 2016. Um, It'll be somewhere in the middle, and where in that middle range he lands is going to make a big difference. But, um, yeah, I'm sure he'll... First card, whatever. That's fine. I just don't want to get chirped on Twitter. That's all I... Mm -hmm. Uh, No, I... I... It'll be a wild fucking season. I, yeah. I, I, I something. I'm like, this is just this is you know, man. It's the most fun Blackhawk season, like Blackhawks off season, I've been a part of. There's no question about that. This it's is really insane. been the most interesting and uh, busy off season, like we brought up earlier. Really. Yeah. Was, yeah, I felt like I felt proud of tweeting that because I'm like, it's true. Like this is not maybe not the best off season for the Hawks, but it is the most off season for the Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah. All time. It, it is. It's insane. It's taken over my life. Um, I'm supposed to, this is the only time I get to have a life and I haven't had it. So yeah, it's been, and now you're with uh, us. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm out of like dinner it. and there's more like I emojis popping up on my phone. I'm like, oh, yeah. here we go again. So no dude. Yeah. I feel like if you see that, it's kind of like a PTSD flashback at this point. It's just, it's kind of oh, like, there goes my night. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was the one pair. There was the two, there was the flower. It's like this man sees an emoji. He's done. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Next been, chapter, and then the yeah. sexual assault stuff too. On top of it, that obviously the team isn't even tweeting about. And yeah, it's it's <laughs> been it's been crazy. There was there was that one day um, yeah. where they, I guess they had traded for Seth Jones and they had done the draft. So and there was zooms with the draft picks that we were doing. Um, and then the schedule release was coming out, and I got an advanced copy of the schedule and I was writing about the schedule, and I was about. Two paragraphs into that story when I got this, the latest filing from the lawsuit, and I'm like, man, I need an assistant. Like, this is, I cannot handle all this stuff. So, right, boys. yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Oh, man. You just got sometimes collab? I'm, I'm thinking yes. <laughs> well, fortunately, they did. They have finally assigned one of the core supporters to help me out with the, oh, the lawsuit story. So, I guess I do kind of have an assistant. <laughs> that's, that's genuinely that's great to hear, man. You've been like dogging it the last like month, like you said. It's it's funny. I was uh, I, we've all talked about it, but for myself at least, I was uh, I was at work and um, it was near the end of my shift, and I'm like, you know, we're just kind of like 
sitting around checking our phones and there's all this Seth Jones stuff coming out. It was that it was uh when it was late at night, I forget what day it was, but it was like I think Freed said something in the middle of the day and then it's like nine PM and there's oh, still yeah. like stuff yeah. coming out about it. And it's like, oh my God, like when are and Nick you tweeted you you said something along the lines of like just like, oh my God, like this is just never ending. I think <laughs> it was yeah. the night before. Yeah, it was, it was the night before. We all knew. You knew. And I, the I funny think... thing is, I remember Pierre LeBrun tweeting is that they were grinding away to deal with it. He's like, don't expect it to get done. For, don't expect it to get done for a few days. And then I think a couple hours, I think it was Emily Kaplan who had the, the scoop that Seth Jones was going to Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, Ben, thank you for being a fucking trooper, man. You've been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's my, it's my job, so uh, it's what I'm supposed to do. And it's 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 still fun. It's still rewarding to have so much to do. It's better than being bored. And I, I've I've gotten a lot of positive feedback, so that's been nice. And I mean, it's not about me anyway, but yeah, yeah. of of course. I mean, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> we appreciate. Uh, it. Yeah. Do you guys have any other questions to ask? Um, I, oh, I guess I just had just like a general question. We kind of kept it a little Hawks focused. I just had, um, just around the NHL this off season, who would you pick as like a winner and a loser in your mind? In the off season? Cause oh, it's man. everyone's favorite game. Who won the off season Olympics? Yeah. <laughs> and who I feel lost like I haven't even, I haven't had enough time <laughs> to like review every other team's moves yeah, enough. I certainly see them in the moment, but to look back at sort of them as a whole on each team, there hasn't even been an Edmonton. opportunity to do that. Um, man, I don't know. I think Edmonton might be the loser. Leafs are the winners. Oh, man. They're they're back. They're double, doubling down on the 50-game good stint from Cody CC, which should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Why would you I love like there was a there was a picture, and it was like um what's it called uh it was Don Waddle who I don't or is that oh, what Carolina name? Montreal are losers as well just well, yeah the stuff yeah we don't even have to get started on that as kind cool, of a secret Canes fan it, they've been a loser too yeah no. oh, they, yeah a bunch of jerks they took right? they took bunch of jerks a little too literal there <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> well, my gosh. We're a bunch of jerks. I thought it was just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, but it's man. like Don Waddle is that guy. He's like, I get Ethan Bear, you get missed that by a mile. Like, have fun. Yeah. Cody yeah. sees oh, he and he missed that by a mile. The oh, yeah. The best thing someone said about the Oilers is like, I don't know what part of the 1920 Leafs defense they liked, but they must have really liked it if they got Tyson Berry and Cody Cece yeah. locked up. And Zach Hyman, can't forget that. And Zach Hyman, sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. And then they got that veteran leadership with Duncan Keith now. God. As much as – Oh, man. Duncan I can't wait to hear Edmonton fans not. complain about Duncan Keith shooting fucking to someone's shin every, every game. <laughs> Get that Corsi up. What was it? I think he told. I think he said it to Ben. And he said it to you, Ben, and you put an article out about this where he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm just you're like, why are you taking more shots?" And he's like, "Yeah, so I think I'm good." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> that was that was a good one, Keith. Keith and I. I don't think I think Keith pretty much hated me, but that was a good. <laughs> I, I appreciated that. It didn't even. It wasn't even true though. It was on the power play, and that doesn't count in Corsi, but. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I gotta imagine uh, interviewing Dunks the last couple of years had to have been a joy. Just <laughs> Dunks is, from what I see as an outsider, is that that man is just like 
does not care what he seems anybody like, says. You like, know what he's, he's like? He's him, and that's it. He's the Ron Swanson of the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! Yeah, like, you can't dislike him. him. But he's, you know he hates you, but you can't dislike him. He's Duncan yeah. You gotta respect well, that he ben, hates that's you. That's different. That's Ben. Ben's not in our position. Uh, but that's... That's fucking funny. I think he actually does care a lot about what people say because otherwise he wouldn't be so antagonistic about it, especially in recent years when he's been struggling. And um, I feel like a lot of the the questions he was, you know, faced were somewhat negative and that made him even more grumpy. But I think he does care. And I think that's why he's been so around Swansea the past few years. Because, And also, for some reason, they only put him out after they lose. So that was also kind of contributing to it, but that's that's kind of uh, shitty. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I understand leadership and all that, but like when you see a guy is just like, like, like sick of it, like just give the guy a damn break. Like, yeah. yeah. The Hawks had some wins. Or Keith is a big part of it this year. You got to throw him out there for the interview when they win. Come on if, now. If they're winning, it's probably because he's had a better game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> one of those guys, you're playing him that many minutes. He has to play well for you to win. So if you win, he probably had a good game. But that's, yeah, I didn't even think about that, Ben. If he's getting thrown out in every losing interview, he'd probably be a little grumpy. I went through that after they traded him, like just oh, going back through his interviews this past year to try to find little anecdotes for my article. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure every single interview he did was after a loss. So I don't know. I don't know why that was the case. It was. I mean, that was kind of true for everything. We were just sort of at the whims of whoever they put on the Zoom. Uh, which mm-hmm. was certainly a, a very annoying part of the season, but oh, I can imagine. it seems like they gave him a really tough draw in terms of the yeah. times they put him out there. Whereas yeah. we got like Yanmark after every win for some reason. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's who we want to hear from. Let's go. <laughs> oh my gosh! It... <laughs> I'm just glad that, that we made. Pure, some of the bet we made if uh, Matias Yanmark scored a hat trick that game, that I'd buy a Blackhawks magnet of him. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's been on my fridge wow. for like a month. <laughs> and I love how you had it for just for this moment. Oh no, it's sitting on my fridge right over there. My mini. Oh, there, you have a fridge right there. over there. Oh, I it's I'm like, even like your Hawks schedule from years ago, and it's literally just the Hawks schedule from. Is from 2016-17, and just oh, a Matisse wow. Yanmark magnet right next to it. The only two <laughs> things on there, by the way. Very I just won't even get a Matias Yanmark. That's what I'm asking. Like honestly, it was. Oh, we were watching uh, the Vegas Vegas uh, Minnesota game seven, right? And uh, I under the influence a little bit, and we're watching the game. And I text Pierce, and well, we we're actually we were calling for a lot of it. You too, Schmitty. We're all just kind of like tagging in and out during the game and the goals. And then Yanmark gets a second goal. I'm like, if he gets a hat trick. I'll buy this stupid fucking magnet. And he's like, okay. And I- Whatever. I said he, I said he's gonna score the hat trick and then he did. He did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> and a week later, I I stopped and I'm like, I went to eBay to look for something and I saw that my watch stuff and I'm like, oh, I have to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I agreed to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Matisse, yeah, Mark, I clearly left a big uh, impact on the Blackhawks. Hopefully, they can. Uh, Hopefully they can fill in for his leadership. Levels, yeah. lost. I don't know what they're going to do without him, but, you know, whatever. Thanks, I, Colton I, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> I say this jokingly, but I can't I, – dude, Doc and Keith getting traded, like, and just amongst all this has got to be, like – Ben, I'm not sure how you're still alive. Like, <laughs> from Duncan Keith's traded to, oh, my God, I'm not going to get bullied at every interview, to <laughs> – 
Blackhawk. This is now a Blackhawk. Everything I said, they're not listening to, and I have to talk <laughs> about all of this. What an emotional rush. That's got to be And I'm in Edmonton now. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that was actually pretty similar to what's going through my mind. Although, <laughs> does seem to be, from our, our strange boat interview with him, does seem to be a pretty friendly interview. Um, I'm sorry. So that was I think in general, it's, it's still a, an upgrade from a journalistic perspective. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> it seems like everyone seems to, like, from all accounts, like, you know, all criticizes on ice play, obviously, but, like, he seems like a good dude. He seems like a good dude. I don't always agree with what he says online, but, like, as a person in general, he seems to be, like, a genuinely cool guy. Seems to be, like, a really good teammate. Have you kind of heard that about him? Because that seems to be the word that I'm, like, you know, when I'm reading about him and, like, you know, like Jackets writers and stuff are talking about. They're, like, they, they seem to praise him as a teammate. Is that something you've uh, heard a bit about lately? Yeah, yeah. I think he is a good teammate. He's he's kind of a quiet <laughs> guy, honestly. I think mm-hmm. Caleb seems a lot more talkative and sort of outspoken than he is. He's more of a, a lead by example guy. I mean, just spending you know half an hour with him on that boat, um, I think it was kind of evident that he, he sort of like he listened first, watched first, and, and then spoke. So I think that's a good a good trait. Um, I, I I don't think he's going to be a Keith like persona um, no, for better no. or worse. But I think yeah, he seems like a, a good a good teammate, and I certainly also. Don't agree with um, some of his family's apparent politics, but yeah. uh, I think <laughs> I was trying to like like, he's one of those guys that lets it kind of spill into his like, day-to-day interactions with people. Yeah. So here's the real question. So so Mark Andre Fleury's in Russo State tomorrow. Is that also on a boat? <laughs> Are they going to be going that one's on Zoom. Um, <laughs> I wish it was on a boat. Fleury's not like special enough for the boat. If it was like in an airplane, that'd be cool. <laughs> He does yeah, his selfie video in front of his private jet. Uh, I guess he likes planes, but I, <laughs> that was his private jet. I don't. I don't, I don't know if it's his. It's someone's, but probably. I don't care. That was. I'm so glad he's here as a fan. Like just as a fan of hockey, I'm so happy he's here on our team. He's such a gem. Like it is. So I, I got to imagine going from Duncan Keith to Mark Andre Fleury. I think you're going to be in a much better mental state. Maybe it'll be worth all the all of this month. <laughs> Oh, there's still some Maybe. good interviews interviews left on the team. Um, the fact that they haven't traded Strom and DeHaan is actually great because those are two of the best interviews on the team. So I was going to miss them. DeHaan is great, right? Yeah, they they both are really – I really enjoy getting to know and talking with both of them. So, yeah, I'm glad that they're still here. They actually have a, you know, a lot of good interviews. I think Tyler Johnson um, is going to be a good interview too. Um, he's, he seems like he's a cool dude. Yeah, Goddad is is a really interesting guy too, and I'm eager to write more about him. Um, it seems like he has a an interesting life outside of hockey. So does his wife, yeah. Yeah, so he's a streamer. Do streams. Yeah, yeah so there's, there's some there's some people to interview on this team. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure, and you know in. I want to I want to ask one thing. I'm oh, sorry, Schmidt. I just really want to like this is something I've thought about a little bit. And you we we saw the uh, well, of course, Dino, you you mentioned it. Um, the uh, the, or I think you mentioned it on Twitter or whatever. Um, the the wedding, the Brinkett's wedding, and how like everybody's there. Taves is there having a blast. And I noticed uh, one thing is that Dahan he Dahan's there. He's kind of like part of that group now. And I know we I've said it. A lot of fans have said you know move Dahan. He's like you know this dead cap space. I, but I feel like, and I don't want to, you know, sound too like, you know, 
well, you know, like, well, hockey men, you know, know this and this and this. And I've been on personality. But you do need to have like a, a bit of a core, right? Like you don't need to move to Han. And that guy is clearly part of that, like that group. You know, you don't like look when they moved Saad last year. That shook a lot of guys. The second time they moved Sada, I know where it is. Stop that. Um, yeah. Sada went to St. Louis just to spite Bowman. I'm telling no, you. No, I was like, I was like, ups, like physically upset. I was like, like, this is, we've gone from Brandon Sod's going to get four by four in 2015 to he gets four by five six years later in St. Louis. But that is neither here nor there. It's breaking my heart. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but uh, where was I? Where was I? No, but um, do you, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I feel like, do you think that's something that they really value there? Cause like, it seems like they don't really like want to move him. It's more like they feel, they kind of feel like they needed to at the time. Do you think that's somebody that like the players really like kind of like draw towards? Do you think? Yeah, he's, he's a super likable guy. Um, and he's definitely a vocal leader. Um, I think he's a valuable <laughs> presence to have, um, especially with Connor Murphy is, um, is more of a lead by example guy. He's not, super loud or anything and and seth jones seems to be that same role too so i think having someone like the han who's been around a long time and is more of an extroverted um personality is is valuable to have on that defense um so yeah it's certainly part of it i think i mean they had drake kajula at the wedding too and he hasn't been in the hawks in a year so i wouldn't read too much into the wedding invites but yeah um, (laughs) i think yeah i mean the han is is certainly a valuable presence to have yeah Hundred percent. Have uh, Kajula, Hayden, and Hinnestrosa line. Love it. And so, um, uh, is there? Is, yeah, they all three of them signed before. Wait, they did? Oh yeah, my! Uh, Kajula, Hayden, and uh, Hinnestrosa. Yeah. Um, the future's finally coming together. Man. <laughs> all former Coyotes. That Sabres lineup is going to be hilarious this year. It's just a ton of Ooh, like random journeymen. Brandon and Davidson. Yeah. That's Sweet. too. <laughs> We are a team. Yeah, we are a team. There it is. It's getting uh, worse. I we think are we team. are a team. <laughs> and Jeff Skinner's got no excuse to not score goals now. There's no one there. You know what? No, Jeff, you know, Seth Jones' contract isn't bad because Jeff Skinner exists. I'm better yeah, now. And Sergey Bobrovsky. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Bobrovsky. It could right be there. worse. It could be worse. No. Um, is there a, is there <laughs> a happier the contract on the Blackhawks? The worst contract yet, Bart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a happier goaltending tandem than, uh, or more smiley goaltending tandem than Mark Andre Fleury and Kevin Lankinen? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I haven't gotten the pleasure to get to know Fleury yet, but yeah, from what we hear, he's a great guy, and Lankinen's amazing. I think it was really fun talking to him. Just his genuine like joy after every win was just so cool to see um, how much it it means to him, and it means so much to everyone. But it seemed like to him, it's it's just on another level. He's such a optimistic, just earnest guy. Um, I I feel like you can't help but root for him. Um, I kind of he was a go on to have the career that Flurry has now had. So yeah, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a happier goalie tandem. Was he like, like a Blackhawks fan before he came here, or something of the sort? Like he really wanted to come to Chicago, I thought. And so this was like specifically what he wanted to do. And this is like he's like literally living his dream. I could be wrong, but I could have sworn. That is someone I don't it. I don't think I ever really talked to him like before he joined the Hawks, so I'm not entirely yeah. sure, but maybe I, I was just gonna say probably one of the insiders. 
One of the one of the best moments last year that gets kind of swept under the rug was that Lankin and got that first win in front of the fans at the end of the year. And I feel like yeah. if anyone earned it, it was him this year because he got th- put through so much and he earned that starting goaltender role after being the three out of camp or not out of camp, but at the start of the year. And I, I remember like that first game he played against Florida. I think he was he just had such a chip on his shoulder after that first loss. And he was just like, yep, I know the mistakes I made. We'll just go forward from there. And I was like, you know what? The Hawks need a guy like that in net. That has he a has such confidence, too. too as I well. love it. I love, love his it. confidence in that. Like, and I, I feel like that's one thing that, the, like you said, this team's going to have a lot of peers. It's just they're going to have a chip on their shoulder next year a lot of the time because a lot of them account – like a lot of these guys are either counted out, not talked about, or called overrated. Like they're Flurry just literally moved for nothing after winning. Yeah, a like, they're, they're just all gonna have a reason to want to prove everyone wrong, and that could work out so well for the Blackhawks. So funny because that's what Flurry did in Vegas. He had a chip on his shoulder after leaving Pittsburgh. He went crazy. And, <laughs> and then the whole Vegas team, brought them to the like the whole Cup team fight. was good yeah. because they had a chip on their shoulder in that yeah. first year. <clears throat> Wonders what it would, what it will do. And like if you look at the last, I want to say. <sighs> four seasons the Blackhawks have always started off so rough in October if they could come off and just have a chip on their shoulder in October that would be just so massive for this team going forward because you got to think 1920 they thought they were probably going to make it take a step and then they won two games in the month of October or something like that and it was just like what are we going to do now like we're already out of it and then you had 2018-19 where they had the 10 game losing streak after they fired Quenville they were basically already out of it exactly and I feel like this could be the first time since 16-17 where they could actually jump ahead of the schedule and ahead of the standings. They did it a little bit this year, but they're going to be more healthy to a point to where they, they could probably were, a bigger uh, leap. Yeah, no, I mean, this October is going to be huge. Like you said, I think that really was a huge problem in 2019 that they got up to such a slow start. Um, and I mean, three of their first four games are against the Avalanche, Penguins, and Islanders, so um, <laughs> it's not exactly easy to start. Well, you'll know where your team we'll get is, a, at least. Yeah, we'll get an <laughs> immediate idea of where they stand. And, and I mean, last year with the first four against the Lightning and Panthers, we got a pretty immediate idea there, too. So, yeah, they're, I, if they can be 500 or better after October, I think that'll go a long way to building some confidence. 100%. And it's also like uh, one thing we keep bringing up is uh, I we just need to see this team on the ice at this point. There's so many new names and so many new faces coming in. and. Uh, it's almost an entirely new, like half of the back end is going to be new next year, which is going to be a big change. And it takes a while for guys to adjust to new systems. So I'm just very curious to like, this is probably the most important, like I said, the most important training camp in the last couple of years. So Carlson's really going to have to, you know, set those and set those like line guidelines in early for everyone and what he wants out of the team. Cause I mean, we talked about it, the talents there, if they can just put it together, this team can be, whether it's a four seed in the central or, a three seed in the central or something like they have the capability to do that if they're healthy, in my opinion, it just all comes down to if everyone's bought in. And it sounds like if everyone can buy in that it, it could lead to things that this team hasn't seen in five years. So if only they could be in the Pacific division. <clears throat> oh, oh my gosh. Oh if only they could God. be like, well, that also works out in their favor. Yeah. I really only think three teams from the Pacific division yeah. make it. And there's going to be two wild card spots open. Probably the Kraken are making a year one. Like I hope probably uh, they're, like there's if they even get like Yanni Gord being out the first month stinks for them but like they if they can get the scoring they're going to be very good next year like we talked about yeah, it on Grubauer the is gonna be Seattle's basically made the anti Connor McDavid like they just they <laughs> built their 
team on defense and goaltending, and they just said, you know what, we're gonna make sure this guy doesn't drop eight points on us. What do we? What do we call it? The Seattle Rocky Mountain defense, because everyone on oh. their team is so tall. <laughs> a bunch of mountain men back there. Like, oh my gosh, I'm surprised they didn't just, uh, pick mountain, up the to announce a mountain yeah. man. Oh, I guess that is my question. Was the Blackhawks kind of sh- were the Blackhawks kind of shocked that they took Quinville in the expansion draft? Oh, definitely. I think they expected to lose Zadorov or, or at the least like Gaudet or Carpenter or somebody. Yeah, I thought. I, I, honest, thought I honestly thought Seattle kind of didn't do the best this offseason. I think they'll be a decent team next year, probably like a middle of the pack team, and their defense is really good. But I I feel like the window was there for them to be really good, and they didn't really capitalize it so i was a little little question of i was a little surprised about some of the stuff they did and i think it's fitting for ron francis um he's shown that he's he's not big on taking risks um to a fault sometimes um but yeah it certainly worked out for the hawks that they didn't lose anyone of note because then they were able to get a third round pick back for the Dorov, and they were able to re-sign godet for cheap and count on him being a breakout guy next year and yeah it worked yeah. out well for them for sure Oh, yeah. And I think people people forget what God did. He had 33 points in 60-something games in Vancouver two years ago. And the guy has proven he's a Hobie Baker winner. Like, I'm, it, I just think it's hilarious that they finally got Dylan Secura's line mate after all these years, after <laughs> Dylan Secura is now a Colorado <laughs> Avalanche. But um, that's I, right. He's like, I've been high on God for years. I think if you put him in the right role on, like, a bottom six role, he could just – like, he showed it at spurts this year with the Hawks. There were a couple moments where he really showed that skill, and he was playing with a couple of the top guys like Debrinket and whatnot, and he was showing it a little. So yeah, that is I'm excited big, to see what. Yeah, that is my me? X factor for next year. I think he uh, is the biggest breakout candidate on the team. I mean, to finally have his digestive issue, which sounds like it was hell for him the past few years, figured out. Yeah. Um, it seems like he's gotten so much stronger. I mean, he said he's gained like 20 pounds, I think. Um, That's awesome. Still, I mean, I have still two, a month to go. Ben, 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 I gained 25 pounds over after COVID, and yet you haven't written one article about me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm bothered by that. But sure, I mean, Adam Goddard does look great. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I think he could be a real surprise contributor next year i think just everything is primed to this to be the year where he finally puts it together and if he doesn't he doesn't i mean maybe he just is going to be this kind of inconsistent bottom six score for his career but if he's ever going to become more than that this is the time he's going to prove it 100 percent. and worst case That's scenario guy if he doesn't work out he traded madison bowie for him so exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, you got to think Heimel. this. He's Matthew Highmore. Oh yeah. He, oh okay. No. He, sorry. What was the Bowie he, trade then? He, Bowie was just for a fifth. Yeah. It was like, fifth. Yeah. They made two trades of Vancouver. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Dude, yeah, my bad. Uh, hmm? Matthew Highmore though, that's a lot of leadership and well, like according to Vancouver, a lot. Of-
Hey, he scored a goal on Winter's Helmet. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In the bubble. Um, yeah. One... Yeah, one one le- kind of last thing I wanted to to ask was because I think this is really the only like transactional news we'll probably see for them till the beginning of October, and that's uh Brandon Hagel's and Alex Nylander's uh, contracts. I think Alex Nylander's probably gonna get a one year like nine hundred thousand contract, but Brandon Hagel's is interesting. I don't know if he's gonna go maybe one year and then like kind of do like try to I like have a good year and then sign another big contract after that, or if he's gonna go long term in security because I felt like we did see a bit of a. Uh, players maybe taking a bit less, especially a forwards taking a bit less in free agency and then kind of taking that term. And I wonder if that's what Brandon Hagel will do. I think I wrote in one of my articles that I was thinking it'd be more like one by one for Nylander, like you said, and two by two for Hagel. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, we could see, I think the Hagel one certainly is more realm. I mean, maybe he wants to go for three years or something and just get that stability. Maybe he wants to sign for one year and um, kind of bet on, improving himself again to get a bigger contract. Um, I feel like two by two is kind of in the, just sort of the average, I guess, of the possibilities there. Um, he doesn't have much leverage with no arbitration. So maybe, maybe it'll be less yeah. than 2 million, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what Look I was man. figuring. Uh, Jimmy, you said you got to head out, man. Yeah. I have a uh, doctor's appointment. Also, dentist yeah. we're talking about Good old chiropractor. So, uh, yeah, I will uh, talk to you guys later, Ben. Like, seriously, thank you so much, man. You've been a trooper on Twitter and uh, with, you know, with the Sun Times and all that. Thank you for that, seriously. And, uh, hey, just keep going on, man. Stay no, cool. I, I appreciate all the engagement and um, kind words that you guys often give in the comments and, and also for having me on. This is yeah. an enjoyable hour and a half yeah. hockey conversation. Yeah, so, thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Don't ever um, no, like seriously, thank you, man. It's awesome, and we genuinely appreciate it. It's it's all yeah. it's. We've talked to you before, and this time as well. It's just been a pleasure talking to you, man. Seriously, it's it's great. Well, great, thank you. I right. I appreciate it. Sorry about the dirty laundry in the background. No worries. I man. could not, <laughs> man. Dude, I, yeah, exactly. I have, like, my friend, like those are the lights. So it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Totally fine. Never, never a problem. Well, all right, Ben. I will see you. Hopefully at some point again, and uh, you too, Dylan Pierce. Uh, hopefully I never see you again. Oh my god! <laughs> oh. They bully me for my height. It's okay. It's a it's a long lasting thing. Just because I'm four eleven doesn't mean you have to remind me, Pierce. It's you know, man. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. I am. Like, well, like five I'm just, nine four eleven. I'm, I'm, I'm a Canadian, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh, but the Canadians always rude, man. It just, yeah, I know. Like, Even being the U.S. in women's soccer, one nothing. Man. Oh, that is very mean. Actually, stop doing that. <laughs> stop <laughs> doing that. Stop <laughs> this. Gosh. All right, well, but uh, you know, yeah, but I guess I do actually. Oh shit, I need to like, yeah, I, I actually have to go. I'm, I'm stalling myself, but yeah, love you all, guys. Uh, you know what? I, I love you too, Ben. Whatever, man. I'll see you all, guys. In the future. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. all right uh ben before uh we let you go here again just echoing jimmy's word thank you for coming on uh we're just gonna i i don't know if we did this last year which is funny because i remember we had you on last year i think it was a couple days right before the 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 playing round starts it's kind of interesting that a year later now we've finished this crazy off season now we have like an actual uh 
we have like an actual regular season coming ahead of us, like a full 82 game season. But uh, I just want to ask a couple of lightning round questions again. I don't remember if we did it, but even if it did, it's been a like a year. So it's just like basic stuff. Like what's your favorite movie? And I guess we'll start off with that. What's some of your favorite movies that you like? Oh, uh, um, Knives Out. I really loved actually. I know oh, it's yeah. recent, but that, that might be my favorite movie, um, at least currently. It's hard to think I can't wait about, for the second like, one. of all time, but I thought that was great. 